Inspiring interviews with today's top Bulldog breeders. This is the Everything Bulldogs podcast. And now your host, Cesar Paulos. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Caesar with Everything Bulldogs podcast. Today on the show, I have Jacob, the owner of Del Toro Bulldogs. He is located in Bakersfield, California. He breeds English Bulldogs and French Bulldogs, and he has great knowledge for you guys today. Stay tuned. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, Jacob? Thank you so much, man, for taking time out of your day and coming on the show. I really appreciate it, man. If you don't mind introducing yourself to the listeners, you know, where are you from? What dogs do you own? And just talk a little bit about your program, man. What does your program have to offer? Yeah, definitely. So um, I, you're, I'm located in Bakersfield, California. My name is uh, Jacob Del Toro. I am the owner of Del Toro Bulldogs. I own Buddha, Violet. Uh, those are pretty much the, the main dogs right now that I have. Uh, Violet is actually going to be having a litter coming up in about... 20 days so super stoked for that um her first heat i bred her to mcdreamy and i got a nice little six pack and you know everything worked out and you know the the dog gods blessed me oh yeah bro that's exactly what i'm talking about if you don't mind sharing what results did you get from that mcdreamy litter it was a uh so it was the english bulldog litter um and i had lilac morals i had a blue merle chocolate merle and a black try, and also a blue try. Man, so now that we're on this topic, man, when you have a litter like that, I consider that a rainbow litter. I don't know what other people consider that, but correct, correct, um, yeah. When you have when you have merles, you know, some tries, some lilacs. How do you know? How, how do you justify how much you're gonna sell your puppies for? So, um, the main thing that I that I go off of is I'm gonna take a look at the puppy uh, structurally. Um, not, not necessarily only the color, the, the color is always a plus, right? Um, right. but when it comes to, you know, me personally, I I'd rather sell, you know, quality over color, but, um, you know, luckily enough, Merle's are very hot right now. Um, okay. so when I, when I, when I do pricing, uh, I like to kind of just see what the market's at, what are other people selling their, you know, lilacs for, I don't know if you kind of look at those, um, like those you see those lists that pop up every now and then they kind of see like pricing ranks and stuff like yeah. that yeah man i see those pictures that label the color of the bulldogs and the price range and it just it, how accurate are those man are those are those numbers really legit yeah man i mean um definitely i would say my my murals did go for you know almost almost close to 10 um Jeez. and i think it also has to do with how well you're known and you know how many people can kind of vouch for you as far as being in this um, dog game right what happens when you say your price is right and then the market isn't treating you right for instance like you're not getting any hits or any inquiries would you consider lowering your price or how would you go about de depicting like the price range if you're not selling your puppies for the price that you're like advertising um, so definitely. Yeah, man. Uh, if, if I'm put in like a position like that, um, uh, cause you know, the market's always changing, um, new things always come out. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, you have to clear what you put into your bulldogs. So if you have to lower the price, I would say, you know, definitely lean more towards like a pet home. You know, if you really believe that you have uh, quality and stuff like that, just, you know, lean more towards like a pet home, finding a nice little pet home for the guy or, the little female puppy, I think that's probably a better option. But, you know, 
you do have to try to make your money back. So uh, if you have to lower the price, uh, you know, lower maybe a 500 to a thousand um, and someone's willing to do that. Uh, definitely. Um, if you're holding on to them as you know, longer than you think you will, it's definitely a good option. I always hear it on Facebook and Instagram, man, there, there will be, there will be a buyer that will try to lowball you try to get your $7,000 puppy for 2000, man. Like it. And there's people like that just in general in life. You know, what do you have to say for those people? Well, oh, um, you know, I, I personally, I would tell them that, you know, unfortunately, there's no way that I would be able to give them at that price. Um, and I think it's they can find a bulldog out there, but, you know, they're going to find something that's not going to be quality. Uh, definitely for two grand. Um, you know, if you've been in this for a while, uh, you know, you know what a two grand bulldog is going to look like and you, there's right, kind right. of expectations what that comes with that man this is how i put it if you want quality if you want structure if you want the next biggest thing you really need to pay attention and you need to pay to play you need to be willing to invest into yourself your program and your vision in order to produce the next big thing if you're not willing to spend then you're screwed man and you're just going to continue to be at the very bottom barrel of the bulldog community yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that aspect. Um, another thing I'd like to add is, you know, you kind of also want to pay into someone that's going to help you. You know, that's also a key factor in this. Uh, you can go buy a bulldog from someone, but if they're not, you know, able to help you or kind of guide you, um, you know, you're kind of just you're kind of just on your own and, and duck. Yeah. So, you know, right. definitely paying into someone who's been in it and, it, you know, kind of has has that. Um, how do I say this? has, you know, like a good uh, community background where people can back that person up. Yeah, man, exactly. You have to build these connections with people who are in the Bulldog community, the people that have been through a lot of downs and who are experiencing the Bulldog community. With anything in life, you want to hang out and gain knowledge from people who came from nothing, basically, right? And who have built a fortune off of their vision and experience. If you don't mind sharing with the listeners... Who was that person for you? Who was your mentor? Who was that person that instilled the first knowledge in which you started your foundation on? So I, I definitely had a couple of mentors here, but um, I do owe a lot of my success to Montello Bulldogs. Definitely. Um, you know, I came into the this game not really knowing much. You know, I, I bought my first female, things like that. And um, Sean was really there to help me, guide me. And he never uh, he always had knowledge to uh knowledge for me so it was just you know being like a sponge and soaking it all up but definitely you know from there uh you you know from that knowledge you also have to do your own uh research into it as well as if it's even you know youtube videos you know going on instagram lives and uh just from your own personal experience as well but you know definitely i have to give a shout out to sean from montello bulldogs yeah Oh, yeah, man. A lot of people know Sean from Montello Bulldogs. He is extremely knowledgeable. He has a tremendous amount of experience. He has his own business with artificial insemination, ultrasounds, you know. He has his own kennel as well. I personally know Sean through the Bulldog, uh, through my Bulldog McSteamy, who I got from Spitfire Bulldogs. And they use McDreamy as a stud, you know. Sean is a great mentor uh, to have, especially when you're first beginning in the Bulldog game. And the cool thing about Sean is he keeps it real, man. He, he'll he never bluff you. He'll never beat around the bush, man. He'll like he'll just tell you how it is 100%. And I also have to give a shout-out to uh, Torito Bulldogs. Um, they're actually my uh, cousin. He's been breeding since 2003. And, 
you know, he let me actually have the opportunity to uh, grab Violet. And, uh, you know, she she really definitely helped um, elevate my program to the next level. I'm starting to realize how important it is to have your group of bulldog breeders, man. So far, everybody that's come on the show basically states the importance of having those connections, having that support system, having those friends that are there through the good and the bad. For all the listeners out there, make sure you do your homework and make sure you build those connections and friendships with the right breeders. This would help. This would literally help elevate your program and would allow you to have valuable knowledge in the bulldog game. Hey, real quick, Jacob, what are your thoughts about co-owning? I hear a lot of bad stories when it comes to co-owning. People getting burnt, people getting screwed. What is your intake on co-owning and is it something you recommend doing? Uh, actually, uh, I actually do have a few cones. Um, and so the way that I look at it personally, uh, I'm not able to care for all the dogs that I have, right? So, you know, you get to a certain point where you have a lot of dogs, but I truly believe that the dog has to have that kind of one-on-one connection, um, you know, at least, you know, five times a week, you know, you got to be with the dog. Cause that comes into a lot of uh, play with, you know, breeding and things like that. Um, you know, I personally believe that, you know, the love and affection does help with the whole process and stuff like that. Um, so what I like to do is, um, you know, I would say you got to pick someone that's, you know, very close to you that, you know, you can trust, Um, so I actually cone with a cousin and I cone with my uh, brother-in-law and, uh, so far, you know, they've been great and stuff like that. Kind of like with any opportunity that I have and throw at them, you know, they're basically going to be on board, but that, that, again, that has to be built on trust. And another thing I would say is, you know, definitely have everything written down so that, you know, there's no surprises in it. Um, so that's another thing. I know a lot of people are kind of against it. Um, you know, at times you have to realize that, bulldogs and being in this uh game it's it's not always going to be great you're going to have downfalls and stuff like that but you know it's definitely how you pick yourself up after that and a lot of times with co-owns you know things can go bad you know say the puppies die or you know the female gets sick and you know you just got to learn how to get through that and because uh, nothing's guaranteed you know staying on the topic jacob what goes into creating the proper contract with co-owning How do you decide what percentage goes to who? Who gets what pick of the litter? Can you go into details about making sure everyone is happy when the co-owning is successful? Yeah, so so definitely. So I have a few options that, you know, I've kind of come to offer and stuff like that. Um, So, for instance, um, say so I did a breeding with uh, my stud Buddha, right? Um, Luckily, he uh, the guy had a litter of nine and. he he was just getting into it and everything so i definitely helped him out you know he he paid into my stud so i definitely gave him so much information checked up on him and you know just through that just through that communicating and uh just gained a lot of trust so he actually offered you know hey you know do you want to co-own one of these pups and you know i was very grateful for the opportunity so for instance in this situation since you know he whelped the puppies he paid for the stud fee and um you know all the other all the ins and outs uh, what I brought to the table is I'm going to say, okay, yeah, I'll take the female, you know, I'll house her. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay for the uh, the next, you know, stud AI, but it's going to be going back into one of my studs that I have. Um, so I'll be doing, you know, the AIs, the uh, breeding, the surgical, and I'm also going to do the whelping. Then when I sell the puppies, you know, we're going to split it down the middle. 
Um, that's kind of one option that I do. I mean, another one is, you know, um, I, I, uh, pet, I basically have per se, like my cousin, how we work it out is my cousin will hold the dog and we just split everything down the middle. Does it get tough working with family or best friends? Like, how do you, how do you make sure that the business does not affect your relationships with these important people who you genuinely really care about? So pretty much, I mean, like I said, you have to, there has to be trust established. That's just the main important. Um, pretty much when we talk about the, uh, the dogs, it's, it's pretty much just business. Um, I mean, there's not really any hard feelings. So it's kind of separating, you have to separate your feelings with the other person. If he's, you know, if you guys are buddy, buddy, you know, cousins or family or whatever it may be, you have to put that aside and talk business first. Hey, man, that's the way to go. To the listeners out there, if you ever decide to co-own, just make sure that you understand who you're going to be working with. This person needs to have your trust, needs to understand the downfalls of breeding bulldogs, and has to be there through thick and thin. Now, I've heard and seen various breeders talk about how the market is flooded with breeders, right? And puppies and studs. Is there highs and lows in the market? Should people be panicking? What is some advice you can give the listeners in regards to the bulldog market? Yeah, so the way I, so the way I view this, right, is um, I have definitely seen that um, it is a little bit harder to sell pups. But I noticed when I was kind of just starting out, it was a little bit harder. But as I've kind of grown and kind of shown off my dogs, I think social media is, you know, awesome. And I think that's almost one of the best ways to, like, free – freely market your puppies um so you know definitely posting up your dogs and you know um doing things like tiktoks reels um just any kind of little second videos that you can do uh, it can really help your business a lot um you know just i would say uh, i guess i look at it this way you know there's people graduating high school um every year right um right. So the way I look at that, you know, there's a constant influx of of people, you know, getting jobs and stuff like that, that are, you know, like bulldogs and uh, French bulldogs and English bulldogs are pretty up there as far as like uh, people wanting them. So, you know, you have that to go for. And also another thing um, is that, bull, you know, statistically speaking, bulldogs don't really last that long. Right. So, right. you know, once you have a bulldog, it's kind of like, man, you got to have another. Right. They're just so lovable. And their personality is just, you know, not like any other dog. It's almost like having uh, close to, I would say, like a human companion as far as, you know, personality wise. Right. Um, right. So, right. you know, people are always having that influ influx as, you know, that goes. So, you know, obviously, as the market grows, um, there's going to be, I would say, there could be less opportunities, but. Uh, to sell your puppies. But I think, you know, if you are able to market them on, say, Instagram, Facebook, you know, start groups, get into groups, um, you can even sell puppies on the AKC marketplace. I heard a lot of people have success with that. Um, another thing is also, you know, don't just look inside your area, you have to be willing to travel to sell these puppies. You know, a lot of people I've noticed have been like, Oh, you know, can you can you drive down to me or you know, can you meet me halfway? And sometimes, yes, it is a long drive, but, you know, you got to get those cells and you got to get them done. I like the way you put it, Jacob. Every year, there are thousands of high school graduates that go into the job market. Jobs are limited, right? 
But what are the things that you can do to stand out? You can go to school and be more educated, for an example, right? That would help you stand out more from the rest and would provide you with better opportunities to stay on top. The same thing applies to the Bulldog game. While there may be a lot more breeders coming in, gaining the correct knowledge helps you stand out, which then leads to more and better opportunities to sell your stud or puppies. I also agree with your comment about going outside of your neighborhood. Question real quick, Jacob. What is the furthest you had to travel to sell a puppy? Uh, so luckily, the furthest I've had to travel was um, uh, actually a lot of my, my puppies were here in California. So I would say maybe five-hour drive. Yeah, luckily okay. I've I've pretty much stayed uh, local, but I've I've almost uh, you know had puppies go ship out to Texas and stuff like that, but uh, you know they just ended up not being ready for the commitment and all. So um, there's definitely like puppy, um, what are they, uh, puppy travelers or what are they called again? Yeah, no, I think you're talking about the puppy nannies, right? The yeah, puppy nannies. You know, so you get it real trustful. Then puppy nanny you can even go that route and you know have your buyer pay the uh, extra expense but you now, know you got to have a willing drive to do that staying on this topic i've heard breeders make this statement they say something like if breeders continue to sell their product to breeders then we will always have a flooded market how much of this is true where does the where do like where do most of your clients come from in regards to like selling puppies um so i would actually i would actually say um so before I, so before it was mostly uh, just kind of, you know, people wanting pets and stuff like that, or people wanting to get into the game. So not necessarily like breeders yet, but I've noticed um, once I had my first litter, you know, people were really able to see what I was able to produce, you know, thankfully, you know, Violet is a very beautiful quality female. And so, you know, those puppies are coming up to seven months and, you know, I definitely post them up to, to show, you know, Hey, I got some you know, quality coming. So people then saw, you know, those puppies or saw my videos. And basically from there, they, they hit me up and I, I kind of just have a list now um, for Violet's, you know, Violet's puppies or any puppies that I have. Um, so as far as like selling to breeders, I would say it's going to be coming up soon, but I haven't really had the experience uh, yet. It's been mostly people just wanting to come in. Now that we have gotten into the English Bulldog community and game, I also see that you breed French Bulldogs. Me personally, Jacob, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know shit when it comes to that breed. All I know is that they're really hot right now and they're expensive. Can you go into what makes a really nice French Bulldog? So, yeah, I've actually I actually dabbled with French Bulldogs as well. Um, I actually started off with French Bulldogs. Um, I've actually uh, kind of been leaning more into English Bulldogs. Uh, and I think it's because of the reason you're saying is that there's a lot of French bulldogs right now. And like you said, the market is getting flooded as far as new colors, you know, new coat styles, things like that. But for me personally, uh, a perfect bulldog, you know, I like them short, I like them thick and I like them with a big head. Um, mm, okay. And as far as color, you know, I, I'm, I personally am a sucker for Merle. So, you know, I definitely love Merle. Um, and I, I, and as far as, uh, you know, colors, I definitely like lilac. Okay. All right. And then, so for the French Bulldog, like uh, when you're looking for a stud, when it comes to the French Bulldog, like what exactly are you, are you looking for that Merle and Lilac or does it change, you know, drastically when you're looking for that French stud? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so unfortunately right now, the way that I've been looking at it is uh, 
as far as you know because at the end of the day you know we are a business so right. you know we're looking to make money um so what i like to look for is almost uh you know kind of you know what it's kind of how the market is moving so you know if merles are selling then you know more than likely i'm gonna go look or look for a thicker well-rounded merle um i know the fluffies are coming in i haven't quite you know dabbled into that um i've been a little bit focused on you know kind of just creating a more quality merle and, and they're starting to come out more as you see them you know definitely it takes time because it is a newer color coming in so you know newer dna is coming in um right. but as far as you know it's hard to say because you know if you really you can you know stick to your quality lines uh that are you know really well known but you know to get into that like you said it's going to cost money um you know and just to get into that you're probably looking to spend like 20k just for like a really well-known non-colored dog you know per se like maybe like the grinchies you know so uh personally i am not quite ready to take that investment yet uh, so, you know, I just look more towards, um, you know, what are people liking right now? You know, what do people really want? So I just kind of breed more towards that. But I also try to keep my breedings, you know, structurally. You know, I definitely don't want to lose the structure and, and kind of make, you know, skinny females, skinny males. Um, you know, you definitely want to better the breed. So if I can, like, better the breed and also get color into it or, per se, a, a coat color, then 100% I'm willing to do that. I don't know if you have this information, Jacob, but could you go into the Isabella Frenchies? Why are they so hot right now, and what justifies their value? So Isabella's, um, that's going to be, oh, man. So I haven't really dabbled too much into the uh, Isabella game, so I don't want to speak on it too much. But uh, I would say as far as pricing, um, I definitely think that they have, uh, you know, as more came out, I definitely think that it's kind of decreased a little bit. Now it's kind of more towards, you know, the fluffies or, you know, fluffy Merles, fluffy Isabella, fluffy Isabellas even. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely I, I still think you could probably sell those puppies if they're quality, probably easily over, you know, 15 grand. Yeah. I, and even fluffies as well right now. Uh, you know, fluffies are just just really hot. And there's actually, um, I don't know if you've seen the new trend about the English bulldog fluffies. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, those, those are, I've heard, are costing, you know, like 100K. That's what's honestly very interesting to me about this market. You honestly don't know what people are going to accept and not accept. And if your vision hits, of course, if the vision betters the breed, there is a lot of money to be made. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you know, definitely I don't, uh, what I would say is I don't like to, I know a lot of times people are kind of against, you know, adding color or adding new things, but I think, you know, where we live at in America, we're always wanting the next best thing, if that makes sense. So, you know, I don't hate on anyone that's, you know, adding color or bringing in fluffy or trying to start a new trend. Uh, but I would say if they can definitely, you know, keep the structure, keep the quality, um, you know, that's the best thing. But of course, you know, when you breed, breed first bring something in it's not going to be the best it takes time but you know if you could do it correctly um there's no hate towards that it's just you know more power to you that is true jacob when you have a vision don't automatically think it's going to happen right away it usually takes roughly three to four breedings until your vision starts becoming a reality 
Um, you know, one thing that I don't know if you've heard Sean say this, but one thing, you know, that I've learned from Sean is that, you know, just because someone else may not like your, your dog, you know, there could be 10 other people waiting that, you know, absolutely love your dog. So, you know, definitely getting into those right little market tabs and, um, you know, finding people that, you know, just really have drawn attention to your dog that's where you want to go you know if you have your vision you're passionate about it you know why why leave to venture off to something else you know that is what builds really good businesses in honesty there will always be those customers who believe in your program who trust in what you're able to produce and who really like your customer service and it is through the change with all these new up and coming characteristics where you need to stick to your plan and not put all your money into the trend, but rather reinvest that money into your vision. The thing is, do you do you do your own whelping or do you get somebody else to do your whelping? Um, so that's just going to depend how busy my schedule is, uh, really. But, you know, if I can do my own whelping, I will do my own whelping. Um, the way that I look at this is that, you know, you know how much you put into your breedings, right? You know, you know, what those puppies can do for your program or um, you know, they could possibly take you to that to that next level. So you're going to be the one that's going to be able to provide the best care. Uh, you know, when I had my puppies, man, it was I was I was on it. And, um, you know, I made sure that they didn't aspirate. I, you know, put them on there. And, and only you truly know that you're going to be able to do that, um, you know, because at the end of the day, you can't watch you know, your whelper. You can't, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're all human. So people make mistakes. Right. So. You know, the biggest thing I would say, if you're able to whelp your own litter, definitely do it. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, if you don't have, um, say you get busy or anything like that and you want your puppies to have the best care, you know, a whelper is a good option to go with. But, you know, with that said, you have to make sure that, that there's credibility with that whelper. You can't just go to someone and then, you know, get mad at them when you find out that, you know, oh, I actually didn't know how to take care of your litter or anything like that. Because uh, there's right. going to be what's called a lot of pop-up whelpers that have been coming up. So you definitely want to go to someone who has that credibility that's been, you know, actually have whelped their litters and stuff like that. In Bakersfield, are there any whelpers that you recommend the listeners trusting with their puppies? Or is there anybody you trust that you wouldn't mind giving a shout out to? Um, so right now, actually, I, I, I don't think, um, uh, anyone in Bakersfield anymore, uh, that I know of, uh, but one person that I, um, that I take my own dogs to is, uh, arts made bulldogs. Um, he's good people and I've, you know, haven't had, uh, any issues thankfully. And, um, he's always been keeping me updated and all. So this next question comes from one listener. When you choose to whelp your own litter, what are some accessories you would need? Can you go into that a little bit? Okay, yeah. Um, so pretty much we need a nasal aspirator. I would say that's one of the most important things. Um, you need uh, definitely, you know, non-hypoallergenic uh, wipes. Um, you definitely need a heat source, whether that's, you know, a heat lamp or uh, heating pad. Personally, I didn't like the heating pads. Actually, there's a uh, bulb that you can buy that doesn't even emit light. It just kind of emits heat. You also want to grab like a thermometer with that as well so you don't dry out your puppies. And definitely you need something to have your puppies raised up on. So it gives them that um, like really like uh, they need like a, a rough surface. So like a bumpy surface. Sorry. 
So, you know, if whether that be maybe like crunched up old socks, old towels, or um, I, I know there's like a, like an, even like an eggshell foam, uh, foam that's kind of, you know, pops up. So they definitely need something like that so they don't get uh, flat chested. Um, and, and personally, I kind of just, I, I use a, a kiddie pool. So I just do a kiddie pool. I, I do the, uh, you know, old socks, old clothes, bunch them up, and then I have a light on them. When you choose to whoop your own litter, should you should you also be putting an emphasis on your female and making sure nothing is happening with her? Yeah, I mean, 100%. She's going to be coming out of that uh, C-section and she's going to have, you know, a, a pretty uh, a scar with stitches and stuff like that. So you definitely have to watch her make sure that she's not picking at it, that you're cleaning it. Um, and you're definitely on that, making sure you're giving her her antibiotics on time. And also, you know, you want to definitely give her a high quality food. Um, so that's definitely a big thing as well. What type of food do you recommend for the listeners after their females have dropped their litter? I recommend puppy food only because it, it tends to have a lot of a higher percentage of, of, you know, vitamins, proteins, all those essential things. Um, I mean, I would also, you know, add, you know, you could do uh, rice, like chicken, boiled chicken, uh, do broth, just kind of, you can even look up, you know, uh, you know, recipes on YouTube to even do. Uh, but definitely she's going to need more food. And uh, what I like to do is have her uh, food bowl always full and always with water. When it comes to social media, people could say that you are an influential breeder. You have thousands of followers. You can you constantly produce and sell your litters with no problem. What advice can you give the listeners to grow their followers, to grow their audience and to be able to sell their product? Yeah. Um, so some tips that I have uh, are definitely like if you um, I can personally speak from Instagram pretty much. Um, if there's this new thing called reels, um, you know, if you even make uh, puppy videos or you can never have enough of them. That's the way I look at it. Right. People have like a designated uh, niche towards puppies only. Um, so, you know, you definitely want to hit hit those people, let people see you know, your dogs, puppies are always, you know, very cute. So what I like to do is, you know, I like to pick up my, the new, if they're um, younger, I like to pick them up and do a quick video of their face, their body. And then as they grow, they kind of show their personalities. So, right. you know, if they're jumping around and stuff like that, those are all money shots to me. So, you know, definitely hit those reels, hit those videos and just even putting like um, a simple uh, music onto the video helps a lot. Uh, one thing that I personally like to do that, you know, I, I will share is um, if you if you just go to, per se, your Instagram reels and you're just scrolling through, there's actually like a lot of uh, videos that will pop up that will have maybe like 50,000 likes or 100,000 likes. And I uh, it and I like what I like to do is basically I'll use that audio and I'll kind of present my puppy in the same format of that video. And that's what's kind of uh, helped me a lot is kind of um, going with trends. I don't know if you've, you know, trends, basically. Oh, man, that makes perfect sense. If there's a video and it has thousands of likes, it would be the perfect business decision to try to replicate it to gain that support and traffic into your profile. That's a very smart move, man, when it comes to building your business empire.
Yeah, so that's that's one thing that you know I've found a lot of success with. Uh, it's kind of like uh, TikTokers and influencers, right? Once right. you know uh, this trend happened, you see a mass amount of people copying the video, and then you kind of uh, you, that's where all the attention is drawn. So you know you definitely want to see those trends and hit those trends hard, and then that's definitely going to help you out. Good. Once again, just a tremendous amount of respect for you and your program. Thank you so much for coming onto the show and spitting some knowledge for the listeners. Is there any Andy comments you would like to say? Um, you know, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, I'm going to be dropping a litter in about 20 days. That'll be with Violet. I do have another Buddha litter coming down in about a week and a half. So definitely keep a look out uh, there. You can check out uh, my page at Del Toro Bulldogs. Um, and I look forward to seeing you guys. Once again, everybody, don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at Everything Bulldogs Podcast. And don't forget to follow Jacob on Instagram at Del Toro underscore Bulldogs. I would also like to thank all the listeners for joining me on this journey. To all the breeders who have taken the time to do a podcast and to everyone that has shown me support. I appreciate you tremendously. God bless and stay tuned for next week's episode.